It's rare, but we've actually had many sellers go refinance and then us structure a lease option on the house because they wanted to pull out their money. Uh, at least. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey everybody, it is Sarah Larby and welcome back to another episode of Where Should I Invest? I am currently right now a couple days away from closing on the 10th property that I'm going to hold and I had an extra one. I would have had 11, but I did sell one at this point this year. But this will be the 10th and I just wanted to recap some of the things that I do when I get ready for closing on a property or even when I have something under contract. So one of the things that I do before I remove my conditions, obviously I make sure that my lawyer and my mortgage broker have taken a quick look at the agreements and that I am ready to go in terms of financing. And I usually know well in advance how many more, I would say, slots I would have left with certain lenders and certain banks. So I, even though I don't necessarily need a house, like maybe like a, six months in advance, I'll let my, my mortgage broker know, Dahlia, and I say, okay, well, how many more can I get and what are the terms so that I'm technically always kind of shopping around. So I bought this property, put in a bunch of offers. There's multiple offers on many different properties. So I finally got this one in Burlington that we are going to be moving into. But one of the things that I do just to simplify everything, and this is part of having a great team of people in place, is as soon as I have something under contract and I've waived or removed the condition. So usually I'll have like a condition on financing or a condition on inspection. In this case, I had a condition on inspection only and I used the five days regardless on the back end to get my financing at least checked off. Because one of the things is though, even if I am okay for financing, it doesn't mean that all properties are. Sometimes they find through the appraiser that the bank sends some issues and it gets red flagged and that sometimes happens. So even though you might say, I'm good to go, I've talked to my mortgage broker, that's 50%. The other 50% is actually, does the house itself qualify? So sometimes if there's like foundation issues or other types of issues, the banks may decide that they don't wanna lend. And then so at that point in time, you have to go find another lender or you have to close private. But we were pretty good this way. The appraisal came back and essentially when you buy a property and you send in an appraiser, they're not really there to say, your house is worth like way much more than it is. They're actually just gonna say to the bank, yeah, it, it goes, it meets the criteria. There is no risk of it under appraising. So sometimes they they will essentially say that. So even though the house might be worth more, in some instances they'll say, yep, it checks off. So unfortunately, sometimes there's a cost for that of $450 for just somebody to go say, yep, it works. But anyway, so once I have met the five days condition, the inspector goes through, I usually take that report by the way, and I like even like this one, for example, I got $1,000 off. I like to have them pay for themselves and go back because there's always little tiny things that the inspector will find. My inspector is uh, Sam Fidali. He basically will go anywhere. <laughs> Sometimes I've even asked him, I'm like, do you fly to Thunder Bay? And if I paid for his flight, he would actually go in and do some inspections on some multifamilies if I bought anything there. But essentially, when I uh, remove the conditions, what I do is I send an email to everybody in CC to introduce the team. So I will send an email with the signed 
purchase and sale agreement, the MLS listing of the property, and then I will introduce everyone and say, this is, you know, so-and-so, and she is my accountant, as an example, or she is my mortgage broker. So what I will do is I will send that email and I will include my realtor, I will include my mortgage broker, I may or may not include my accountant, depending. I will include the insurance broker that I use as well. I will include my lawyer and I will say, you know, work with each other and this is the day of closing and kind of go ahead. And then so that way there's a lot of stuff that they can do behind the scenes without having to really bother me, which is actually pretty good. So like if, I don't know, they need something specific for the insurance broker might need some something specific for the property, well, they can call and reach out to my realtor as an example. Or if there's any documents that they need to see in addition, my accountant, I actually use their bookkeeper there as well. So they have a lot of my files from this year. So they'll email them and say, can you send us these files, etc. So it actually works out really well. So it kind of leaves me out of having to go do the whole back and forth. So if you guys are building your team, just make sure they all get introduced to one another when you have the deal. And so they know where to send the paperwork through because there's definitely a process on how all of that works. But anyways, so I uh, I will let you guys know how it goes. So I get it in uh, just a couple days and we are going to uh, do some renovations and uh, turn it into something that, are, that we want to live in. We're going to live in the top and uh, rent out the bottom here and there. And our Oakville house, we're gonna rent out as well. So we bought it about 10 years ago here in Oakville. We'll be able to, to do fairly well, I, I hope. But I'll keep you guys posted on how that goes. So today's podcast guest is uh, Zachary Beach and he's part of the Smart Real Estates Coach family. He is actually located in Newport, Rhode Island. So he is American and he is uh, a co-author of a best-selling book called The New Rules of Real Estate Investing. He's worked alongside his brother-in-law, Nick, his father-in-law, Chris, who uh, I believe we've had Chris on the podcast in the past. And uh, he definitely has done a lot. He's completed over 100 deals in under three years. 100 deals in under three years, that's awesome. And he continues to buy and sell properties without using his own cash, credit, or investor's money. So super excited to have him on the show. And guys, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a rating and review. And thank you for those who have already. And if you haven't yet, I know I say this a lot, but I haven't had a review, I think, in, in like a whole month. So if you guys wouldn't mind leaving something, that'd be amazing. And also, if you have any questions or need any help, my website is sarahlarby.com, or you can also send me an email as well, or add me to Instagram and uh, and tell me about uh, what you're up to, which is Investor Sarah Larby. So on that note, guys, hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome, Zachary, to the show. How are you? I am excellent, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Super excited to have you. And I actually had your father-in-law not too long ago as well and uh, provided some great content. I'm super excited to talk to you. Now you're in your late 20s, I believe, and you are just super, super successful. For, for those listeners that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, so you had the old man on the podcast. That's awesome. So uh, now you get to hear from the better half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I buy and sell real estate on terms, which pretty much means that we're buying on lease options, owner financing, or if you're in Canada, vendor holdbacks or buying property subject to the existing loan. And I got involved probably about four years ago, uh, completed over say a hundred plus deals now, you know, 
not, it's not just all on me. My team is amazing. Plus, the associates that I work with are absolutely amazing as well. So it helped me uh, grow pretty quickly in this industry as I used to be a bartender and personal trainer up until then. So uh, it's been a fun, uh, say, four years, but uh, you know, on the up and up. That's amazing. So when you first got started, tell us about that first deal, that first transaction. What was it? What were the financials? And do people think you're crazy? <laughs> uh, yes, people definitely think I'm crazy because uh, I always get asked this question and it was my worst deal, um, which is, and I'll just preface this by saying it was a negative $30,000 deal up front. So I was about six months in the business and I, and I really wanted to prove myself, as you can imagine. And so I ended up taking this property. We buy it, bought it subject to the existing loan, which simply means that we went and closed on it. We took title, uh, but there was financing in place. And what happened was uh, we ended up closing on it. We ended up placing what we call a tenant buyer. So that's how we sell our properties. We sell properties to buyers that are just outside of financeability and they just need time in order to qualify. So once we placed that buyer on the property, we came to find out that there was lead. I'm up in New England, so in, uh, in the United States. So we happen to have like these 1,800 houses or 1,900 houses like really early that have lead in them. The guy did not, that I bought it from, did not let us know that there was lead in the property. The house happened to be listed in two different counties, which is, is kind of strange. So there's a, it's really on a property line. It's one town and it's listed in another town. So one said it was deleted, The other one didn't. We happened to look at the one that said it was deleted. I come to find out it wasn't negative $30,000 later. We ended up deletting the property. You know, that, that was a start. That was the start of my real estate career. Luckily, because the way we sell our properties, uh, we ended up making up the money on the back end. And I think it ended up being like a positive 70K, you know, a closeout, but four or five years up for my $30,000 loss at the beginning. So uh, interesting first deal. I would say most people, if they didn't have their credit lines set up, then I highly recommend that. They, that probably would have crushed them. I probably wouldn't be in real estate. Ouch, ouch. But you know what? You've come a long way since then. Now you're talking about deletting. And so can we just touch base on that? There might be some people thinking like, why is that a bad thing? What do you need to do to actually sure. remove the lead? And why do I need to remove the lead? Can you touch on that? Yeah. So I think it's like prior to like the early 1970s and don't quote me if I'm not right here, they used lead-based paint to paint properties. So then what happens is if you had paint in the property, that was used with lead, you then have to get it certified deleaded. So you have to you have to call in the state. The state then has to provide a certified deleader. And I may be using these terms incorrectly, but this is how I understand it. Uh, so then they have to go in and remove all of the paint, and then they have to then we have to then rehab it and, and repaint it. So it could be just paint, but it also could be like horsehair plaster. So there's a lot of things that did contain lead back in uh, prior to the 1970s. So uh, you have to get all that removed, which is not cheap. That house was a, I think it was a four, four, four bedroom, four bath. I think it was like 2,500 square feet. And I think most of the house had to be done. So, you know, that equals to $30,000 to get that done. So, so seminar that you'll probably never forget and a mistake that you'll never make again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I was working, so we work with uh, what we call associates. So we block arms with people and we buy property with them in the trenches and we were talking to the seller and the seller kept being adamant about like us taking the property without doing any inspection. So I then forced him to do an inspection or I advised him to do an inspection. We found out that there was bad wiring for electric and there was lead in the property. So 
Luckily, that saved our associates a large amount of cash because the seller ended up deletting the property as it wasn't everywhere and fixed the electrical. So, and we ended up getting a better deal. So, uh, it was a very valuable lesson learned four years later. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. So, so what happened next? So, after you realized, okay, I lost 3,000 bucks, but you made some money on the back end, like what was your, what was the next deal that you did? What was the next property after that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, that was, uh, a long time ago. So I don't know if I remember the second one specifically, but I can just dive into some other properties if, if you'd like me to. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you can even just give us a little bit of an idea of how you scale to where you are right now. Sure. So luckily we have a family team. So at that point in time, about three and a half years ago, we were definitely more heavily on buying and selling properties as now we uh, have a, a much larger coaching and consulting business that we lock arms with people around the country and, and do deals with them. So at that time, we had it dialed in where there was three of us, me, my brother-in-law and father-in-law. And uh, at that time, I was the acquisitionist. Uh, my brother-in-law is the person who sells all the properties. I don't know if there's a, a fancy word for that one as well. And uh, then my father-in-law was managing like the, the, the financials in and out. So we were doing about five to 10 properties a month at that point in time, which means that there was an awful lot of leads coming through. So we, as far as scaling the scaling it, it really comes down to managing the amount of lead flow that's coming in. As uh, this may sound simple, managing the amount of lead flow coming in and uh, and getting really really good at honing in on scripts with sellers and getting really good at deal structuring, which allows you to talk to less sellers and get better at deals. Yeah, absolutely. So, what are some of the things like as you were acquiring? and you were looking for leads, what, like, what did you do when it, comes to, when it came to marketing or finding those opportunities? Yeah, so what we teach, and, and we keep everything super basic, to be honest with you. I know that there's wholesalers that are spending you know, 100K a month on marketing, or it's certainly what's taught to be spending an awful lot on marketing, yellow letters, things of those sort. Uh, we are very much in the business of sweat equity. We're buying and selling properties on terms, which means that we're not using our own cash credit or investor's money. So when you're offering zero money down to a lot of these sellers, you have to have a really good relationship to them, especially if you're doing it for four to 10 plus years. So you have to build a really good relationship with these. So we have a very specific funnel. It's seven steps, what we call a taken and taken mean taken under contract. And it just really comes with building rapport, understanding how you can create a solution for people. It's not about beating people up when it comes to the overall price, but it's actually finding a solution. And we have multiple techniques on how to do that. Find a solution. And then if you can help them, helping them. If you can't, that's okay too. So it's really having that open mindset and, and, and building great relationships with these sellers. Okay. So just so I, so I can better understand, so you're finding these motivated sellers, you're building a relationship with them. You're telling them that they should sell to you and you're not going to really put any money down. So Walk me through that concept so I can better understand why would somebody want to do that? Sure. Um, and just to hit like where we're actually finding these two, which I think would be alluding to your last question. It's we're just, we're shopping in the same market as a majority of people out there, which is expired listings for sale by owner, for rent by owner. Um, and uh, looking for also free and clear properties for like direct mailing. So how you communicate with these sellers and finding out their, their actual uh, problems is, is certainly a, a technique that takes time in order to do so. But we tend to buy properties from either 
So if we're, if we're talking about a free and clear property and buying owner financing or vendor holdback, you're, you're talking about somebody who is looking to maximize their profit and certainly is stable enough and has the ability to wait for their equity. Uh, because if they need their equity, then they probably would have refinanced already in order to pull that out already. Somebody that we're buying on like a lease option tends to be similar position, which is somebody that is looking to maximize their return. So looking to get the highest net profit on the property, but again, also has the ability to wait. Because like the way a lease option set up, if, if you're not familiar, is you're agreeing upon a price with a seller today. But really what you're doing is you're agreeing upon a specific amount of equity. And then you're going to take over if there's a mortgage, assuming there's a mortgage, their mortgage payments, their taxes, their insurance, and then any and all repairs. And then you're going to guarantee them a, a cash out in X amount of years. So you're locking in their equity, you're taking over everything, and then you're cashing them out. And then so what a seller is looking for is either debt relief or maximization of their profit. Where should I invest with your host, Sarah Larvey? We'll be right back. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard, work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment. And then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to A, understand why it was creeping up like that. And B, I didn't have 35% to put down. I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time. And Dahlia is actually an investor herself. And she works with many, many investors. And she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders. And Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives, but I've got nine properties now and I'm still able to get financing with A-lenders and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or her website, streetwisemortgages.com, mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis, it was a game changer for me. And it allowed me to actually understand what I needed to do, how many properties I was going to get because of the cash flow that I was looking for. If you guys wanted to reach out to Dahlia, you can reach out to her by email, which is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com and then just go to the contact section. And you can also call her at 1-800-208. 6255. Thanks for listening and back to the show. Back to the show. Where should I invest? Real estate investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Hmm. So it's like a mix of like a rent to own program, which in this case, it's not really a renter. You're, you're dealing with the buyer directly and some type of vendor take back which is quite interesting actually. So is there a lot of people doing what you guys are doing or is this a concept that you've kind of put together different strategies and created something that works well? Yes. Yeah, so let me hit on the rent to own 
piece first and then I'll dive into the next, which is we sell our properties rent to own. When you're selling to a, a buyer, because the majority of these, you're, you're staying in the middle, you're handling, you're getting profits. When you're selling to a buyer, rent to own is really like a simple way to put it for them. So uh, it's an easier way for us to understand our program uh, compared to what we like to call buying on a lease purchase, which is relatively similar, but it sounds a heck of a lot more professional. And it, and it's something that a seller can really grasp instead of, hey, I'm going to buy a rent to own. Because really, you're buying it on a lease option is what you're doing. Yeah, there's there's plenty of people out there doing it. Um, they, they've seen like some statistics that are going to show that roughly 20% of all transactions in real estate are going to be due through owner financing. So that's that's something that's going to be a huge uptake as, as most people don't like dealing with banks anymore. So dealing directly with an investor that's, you know, that has a proven track record that can certainly uh, get you the most profit on the property and, and handle everything in, in most situations. It tends to be a really good place for sellers to land now. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that are, are doing it uh, the same way we are. I just don't know anybody that's doing it with the same moral and ethical you know, end results um, because... I'm sure plenty of people have been out there and listened to other, you know, quote unquote gurus out there tell you, go buy an on lease option, then stick a tenant buyer in the property. And if they don't succeed, well, whatever, you then just collect another non-refundable deposit. Our method heck of a lot different as we're a family business and we want to see everyone succeed. Yeah, that is important. I mean, there's some great people that are out there and doing everything the right way. And then there's going to be some people that are going to ruin it for everybody. But you know, I've like I have another podcast, the Right Club podcast with my co-host Alfonso. I think he does, I think he's at like 130 rent to owns. I know it's a little bit different, but he just, you know, walks people through the whole financing piece. So the, at the end of the three years, if it was a financing concern or whatever it is, like they work together to make sure that at that three-year mark that they're able to buy it. So what's your strategy? Like how do you make sure that everything is successful when the time comes to, you know, exit the deal? Yep. So on the seller's end, we always want to make sure that all the terms that we construct at the beginning are are tailored enough where if there's any sort of default, we still have plenty of room. Because when we buy a property, for example, say five years, we'll only sell it for three. That way there's plenty of room for if there's a default in there. I'd say you know a default is probably in like the three to 5% range because of what we do with the buyers, which is we bring them through a, a strict vetting process where they find out their debt to income ratio, their FICO scores, uh, their background check. We use a third party that's been doing that for over 20 years. So we're outsourcing these to make sure that the experts are taking a look at these. And then once we have that buyer, we're then making sure that they have enough money down where that's vesting them in the property. We'll then structure over a period of time to collect more and more of that so they continue to be vested in the property. And that will all be constructed around what we call mortgage readiness date, which is if they do A and if they do B, then C, they're going to be able to get a mortgage at that time. So then each and every one of our agreements with our buyers are 100% custom to them. That way it's setting them up for success. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great thing. How many of them need the income? Like how many of them are just maybe not able to refinance and that's why your offer works out? Like, I mean, because you said like they could just go to the bank potentially and refinance it out, but they can't for whatever reason. Like how many of like, what's the percentage of people like that, that you're working with versus other reasons? So are you talking about with a seller with a free and clear property? Yeah. It's rare, but we've actually had many sellers go refinance and then us structure a lease option on the house because they wanted to pull out their money. Uh, at least say 80%. If they have good credit, you can pull up to 80% of the equity in the property. So we've had people do that where they construct that. We then take over the mortgage payments, meaning we're making the payments for them. And then we'll structure like whatever their back end 20% equity is and say 
five plus years from now. That's it's rare because you obviously got to spend money in order to refinance the property. But a lot of these sellers that have these free and clear properties are in a position where they don't need the equity. So they would rather take payments and get their full their full equity out of it or their, their full purchase price, which it, it takes a certain person, but it also you're you're talking about someone that's in a stabilized position. So, you know, it could be a second home. It could actually be another rental property for them. So you never know when it comes to those those type scenarios. But um, I would say out of our deals, say every 10 deals, I would say two to three of them are owner financing. The other, uh, other say, you know, uh, five are going to be uh, lease options. And then two of those may be buying the property subject to the existing loan, which tends to be more of somebody in a debt relief position. Okay. All right. Good. So obviously you've got four years under your belt and you've got obviously your, your family with a lot of experience. What's next for you? What's your next five years look like? Yeah, I, I very much enjoy being on the coaching side. I love getting my hands dirty and helping people build and scale their businesses. So that's where my main uh, focus is when it comes to smart real estate coach. I just love getting in the trenches and helping people build and scale their businesses. We get a we have a very nice uh, buying and selling entity for our, our family. So we're always going to be in the trenches, always learning new things. So I just love uh, presenting it and bringing it to, to others. That way I can empower. It's our purpose is empower individuals and families to create the life of their dreams as um, I've seen some great things from real estate. My family has and I had to continue to share that with other people that way they can build the life of their dreams. Absolutely. Now, where are the majority of your properties right now? And, and are you planning on staying in that same area? Uh, so we live in Southern New England. We're in Rhode Island. Our personal buy and sell entities tend to be in either Southeastern Mass or Central Massachusetts, uh, Connecticut and Rhode Island. So Southern New England. But then we have associates in 60, almost 70 different markets right now. Wow. And is that, is that your, your plan? Do you ever plan to expand, you know, in a different country at all? Or are you going to stick to the U.S.? Uh, so we have, uh, we actually have some, well, we're getting some associates in Canada. We're actually doing some, uh, we have some people in our program now in Canada. So plan on extending into Canada. It is certainly a, um, it's a goal out there that we're looking to capture and looking to, to help out people in North America. So primarily sticking to North America as you get to, as you expand to other countries, there's definitely some more of a language barrier and uh, contractual barriers. So maybe, sure. I mean, uh, sky's the limit. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, let's just say I'm interested as an example to do business with you. Like, what does that even look like for me? Sure. So uh, it just depends on your level of commitment and, and where you're looking to come in at. But I would say a majority of the people or you know, 99% of the people are going to start with something basic like our podcast or our webinar, get to know us a little better as we are from New England. We are very blunt to the point you know, fast, very fast moving. So, you know, we're not the best fit for everyone. But yes, starting with like our webinar or two uh, Amazon bestselling books, which I'd be happy to give away on this podcast as well to your audience for absolutely free. We're talking hard copies, so we'll ship them to you. You just got to give us our address. So that's a great place to start. And that way you can really get a grip on how we buy and sell property on terms. Uh, we're able to create what we call three paydays. So getting paid now with a non-refundable deposit, getting paid monthly on a monthly spread and getting paid on the back end when our tenant buyers cash out because uh, we're getting large principal pay down. So understanding that, which is uh, once you understand the model, then implementing it is, is just the next next activity. Okay. So is it a combination of what are you looking for? Like money and financing or just the money? Or let's just say I read the book and, and sure. I listened to the podcast. I'm like, hey, you know what? You seem like a nice guy. I like your business model. What does that even look like? Yeah. So if you're ever to join one of our programs, I 
I mean, um, they will come with an upfront fee, which is more or less a commitment fee. Mm -hmm. And then we lock arms in the trenches with you. So that means that we help you with your buyers, your sellers, deal structuring, and then we split deals on the back end. Yep. That way we're all in line with the same goal. And that way uh, you can help build and scale your business. How passive or active would the investor be? At the beginning, like as, as me as an example. Yeah. So at the beginning, you are going to be learning a business, right? Uh, and this, and we are interested in helping people grow and scale their business. So most people are that we work with are have full time jobs, putting ten, you know, say ten to fifteen hours a week into starting this business. And then as you scale, we'll we'll certainly teach people how to do that as well. As you scale, then you put the right pieces in place, and eventually it becomes really passive. Okay. All right. Great. Any big other pieces of advice for our listeners or anything else that they should know about doing this type of business? Uh, I would say that you got to, if you're interested in working with smart real estate coaches, especially it's, you got to be serious. You got to be committed as I spend more time with the people in our community and our wicked smart community than I do my wife and kids. And so doesn't the rest of our coaches and, uh, and the rest of my family. So you got to be committed. And this business is really not only built for you to be successful and wealthy, but it's, it has a huge potential for building a legacy. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals. And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the, the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. Amazing. I mean, I can keep asking you questions. This is such a like an inter interesting topic and your strategy and you know, it's really cool that you, uh, you guys are a family business, but the next part of this podcast is our lightning round. So Zach, I'm going to ask you five questions. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm born ready. All right. Number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? Uh, rich dad, poor dad, I guess. Okay. So many people. I'm not, I'm actually not big into reading real estate investment books. I've always been, I always dove into like courses I mean, but that, that's a good one that got me started, our cash flow quadrants. Okay. All right. Good books. Number two, what is your favorite podcast? Favorite podcast right now? Uh, I like Ed Millette's podcast right now. Okay. Maxed, maxed out. Okay. 
I'll have to take a listen. I haven't heard of that one yet. Now, you also have a podcast yourself. We do, yeah. What's it called? Uh, It's Smart Real Estate Coach Podcast. All right, awesome. Guys, download the podcast. Listen to Zach and uh, I'm sure you'll get lots of great, great tips and strategies and insights from the podcast. All right, number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate? I like to work out, uh, get outside, hang out with my family, uh, and watch football. Okay. Like American football. American football, not soccer. (laughs) No, no, American football. If you lost all your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? Buy and sell real estate. Okay. I mean, once you acquire this knowledge, you have it for life. That's that's important. That's why people always say the hardest million is the first one that you make. But after that, you know how to make it again. So you just go and put it into place. That is a great saying. The hardest million or the first million is the hardest million to get. But that is very true because you do know exactly what to do for the next one. All right. Next question. Number five. If somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend it? I would recommend that they keep that $50,000 and they learn our techniques and they don't use their own cash or credit or ask investors for money. And they go ahead and go buy and sell real estate by holding on to that 50K so they can live off it while they buy and sell real estate on terms. All right. There you go. Learn the course. All right. Perfect. Thank you for that. And uh, if our listeners wanted to reach out and know more, Zach, where can they go? Yeah. So I'd love to give away our Amazon bestselling book. Just recently came out this year, back in April. Uh, so you can get that on the website, newrulesforfree.com. New rules for free. So our 24 leading experts in real estate right now. So new rules of real estate investing. So that's newrulesforfree.com. Perfect. And we'll add that to the show notes as well. Final last words of advice before we let you go. Yeah. So I was uh, recently watching the new documentary on Bill Gates and it talked about how this guy wrote a bunch of different articles, but then he wrote one article that was about children in Africa and it and ended up having Bill Gates and Melinda Gates read it from a newspaper. And then they started their entire Bill and Melinda foundation around that, that one article. So uh, he said that it was the best article he ever wrote. So my advice is it's the little things that matter. Continue to do, you know, the basics, you know, blocking and tackling, do them day in and day out. Cause you never know who's watching. Amazing advice. Thank you, Zach, for being on Where Should I Invest? It was a pleasure talking to you and learning from you and great, great job. And congratulations on all your success. Thank you, Sarah. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons. And at the time, they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away. And eventually, only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster 
and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.